Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to a couple of, uh, of openings uh, to tonight. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and hold your place there. And then turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians 2 as our first scripture tonight. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your holy written word. Father, we approach your word with expectation. We know that it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Glory to God. Piercing asunder the, the, the thoughts and the, and, and the marrow and, and, and uh, dividing asunder these things, Father. Glory to God. It's a, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Lord, tonight that your word will go forth. I thank you for utterance tonight, the ability to speak what needs to be spoken, say what needs to be said, and all of our ability, Father, to hear accurately what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church tonight. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want this section over to say glory to God. God. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say amen. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Lord. Don't forget your part. (laughs) If it gets quiet in here, I'm just going to point to your section. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you forgotten already? <laughs> Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to find a place to, to start. Let's just start for, uh, let's start in verse number 10. There's not a really good uh, place to, to hook up without going back to the beginning of the chapter. But let's start in verse 10. 2 Corinthians 2.10, Now to whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I forgave that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. And here's the, the scripture I wanted you to see. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He said we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, today I think sometimes a lot of people are ignorant of his devices, but we should not be. Paul, Paul made the confession that he was not ignorant of the devil's devices. What does that word devices mean? It means his schemes. The enemy is constantly scheming against you. Are you aware of that? He never slumbers. He never sleeps. Because he is, he is at the disadvantage. Satan is at a very strong disadvantage where we're concerned. Because we've been born from above. We've, been in, we've received the uh, Holy Spirit to live within us as our teacher and our guide. As, as Melanie referred to, not only is he in us, we've also been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's upon us. We have his word, we have his wisdom, we have his righteousness, we have his armor, we have his protection, glory to God. We have the ability to pray in other tongues, glory to God. So even when we don't know what to pray for, as we ought, we can pray. The devil is at a serious disadvantage. Because of that, his only hope is to scheme against us to see if he can trip us up somewhere, to see if he can, can entice us to come off of our victory. Are you listening to me? See, the victory's been given to us, but he, he tries to entice us to come off of our victory, to step outside of the bounds of our victory and to get over on his territory, amen, so that he can have the advantage. It said here that we are not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes. Well, the only way you cannot be ignorant of his schemes is to, is to find out from the Bible what his schemes are. Yeah. 
You know, it's, it's, it, it, we would be at a disadvantage if we didn't know. I said we would be, are you out here tonight? It would be, we would be at a disadvantage where the enemy is concerned if we were not able to discern his schemes. If we didn't know what they were, if we were not warned, if we were not instructed, it, we, would, we would be blindsided all the time and not know where it was coming from. He said we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, his devices then must be outlined in the Word. The Word must tell us what his devices are or else he couldn't say we're not ignorant. He said we are not ignorant. Well, a lot of Christians uh, behave as though they're ignorant. Not, Not ignorant people, I'm not saying that, but ignorant of his devices. So many Christians go through life seemingly oblivious to one scheme of the enemy, one trick after another. They seem to always be falling for his schemes when the fact is his schemes have been revealed to us. Amen. Well, it takes getting into the word to find out what these schemes are. Isn't that right? Amen. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Aren't you glad you don't have to be strong in the power of your own might? Aren't you glad you don't have to be strong in yourself? Amen. If the enemy can, can get you to thinking that you've got to be strong, you've just got to, you've just got to uh, uh, shore it up and just be tough, just be strong, he'll beat you every time. But if you learn that you can be strong in the Lord, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? It means to be strong with his strength. If if you're trying to operate in your own strength, then you're not operating in the strength of the Lord. Yeah. And and I'm going to tell you what, it's a weary life. It's a tiring Christian life. It's not not a a pleasant walk. It's It's not a thrilling walk when you're trying to do things in your own strength. But when you get to the place where you cast all your care over on him, praise God, and you begin to be strong in the strength of the Lord, in the power of his might, life, challenges, even opposition, amen, becomes a joyful thing. Hallelujah. Because you know it, you're not winning it in your own strength. You know that it's already been won for you and all you're doing is just participating in that victory. It says that he daily leads us in victory. He is the victor, praise God. The victory's been won and he will lead us day by day in that victory if we'll listen to it. Well, amen. Have you found uh, the 11th verse? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Of the devil. What does this word wiles mean? It means crafty scheming with the intent to deceive. It means crafty scheming with the intent to deceive. Another, another definition is trickery. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery, the schemes intended to deceive. You find me a a Christian who is defeated in life and I'll find you a deceived Christian. Amen. You find, I'm gonna say it again. You find me a Christian who is defeated in life and I'll show you a Christian who has been deceived because Again, the victory is ours. Amen. The victory's been given to us. Jesus won the victory for us. And, and like I mentioned, I think a week or so ago, it was, it was not just put down to our credit. So it's one thing to have his victory put down to, to our credit. That's not, that's not what happened. He, God didn't take the victory that Jesus accomplished, that he won, and bring it over here and credit it to Doug. He took Doug and brought him over there to the victory 
where, where Jesus defeated the devil and took Doug and set him down right in the middle of that. So that what Jesus won, we won. The victory that he accomplished, we accomplished. Now you and I know that we didn't do it in and of our natural self, but who's, who said we have to live in the natural? Who said we have to play fair? Who said we, who said we don't have advantages in this life? Amen. We've been delivered. God has put, we live in the, in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the supernatural. So we're not tied to our natural ability. We're not tied to our natural resources. We're not tied to our natural uh, uh, successes or victories. We were taken right out of a place of, of failure and brokenness and, and, and defeat and placed right, I mean just, just set right down in the middle of the victory while it was being won. Glory to God. Soak it up. Soak it up. Just soak it up. Praise God. You know, that doesn't seem fair. But like I said, who, who says we have to play fair? Amen. God's given us the victory. Amen. Well, it says here that he schemes with the intent to deceive us, to trick us. Well, you know, that, that shouldn't surprise us. I said that shouldn't surprise us at all because after all, you were there in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Go back. Go back to 2 Corinthians and look at the 11th chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Hallelujah. Let's start in verse Well, <laughs> this is another one of those that's hard to start. Praise God. Let's, go, let's, just take, let's just go back to the heading in verse number five. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. You know, there, there were, there, to give you some background here, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there were people circulating in the churches that the Apostle Paul had raised up. The Apostle Paul raised up the church at Corinth. This, this, was, this wasn't a, a church that Peter raised up or one of the other apostles. Paul went to Corinth and preached the gospel there for the first time and he raised up this church. He's an apostle over this church. But you know, there were other apostles and there were other prophets and there were other ministers traveling around and not all of them were true ministers. We think sometimes in, you know, that what we call quote-unquote Bible days that everything was just hunky-dory. Everything in the early church, everything was just perfect. You know, angels just were, you know, uh, uh, constantly in manifestation and everybody was loving one another and all the power of God was flowing, all the gifts of the Spirit were flowing and people were just wonderful. People are just people. And just like there are false ministers today, there were false ministers then. And there were ministers who were going around, so-called ministers, and they were visiting the churches that Paul had raised up and they were criticizing the apostle Paul and saying, well, okay, he, he's an apostle, but he's an apostle of a lower status. We're the real apostles. We're the ones you're supposed to look up to. That's what was going on. They were criticizing the apostle Paul. They were, they were claiming that, you know, he didn't speak very well. He wasn't very eloquent. Evidently, they were. We know that uh, Apollos... Was, uh, was a teacher, and the Bible says that he was, he was very eloquent in the Scriptures. Well, the Apostle Paul, by his own admission, he wasn't very eloquent. He really wasn't gifted in speaking. But you know what he had? Knowledge of who he was. He had knowledge. Notice what he said. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin by humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. Ooh, glory. You could meddle right here. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one, 
For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. See, the Apostle Paul, when he went there to Corinth, he would not allow the church there at Corinth to support him. Even when he was in need of just basicness, you know, had basic necessities, the basic needs of life, he allowed people from other churches to go. Why did he do that? That is not the normal way. And in fact, he goes on to say, forgive me of this wrong. In other places, he, he said, forgive me of this. But he did it for a reason. He did it because by the, I don't know if he had a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and he knew what was coming and he knew what people were going to be saying about him or if he was just, just led of the Lord and didn't know why. But regardless, he was led of the Spirit of God to not take any finances from them, to not allow them to do what normally would be expected and take care of him. And he did it. Later he found out whether he knew it ahead of time or not. But later people came around and said, well, he really doesn't love you like we love you. Paul said, I didn't do these things because I don't love you. God knows why I did them. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Well, you know, that almost sounds like today. False apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. I don't watch a lot of Christian television. I watch a little bit. I have one or two people that I like to watch, you know, that, uh, that I trust. But I tell you what, if you watch, if you watch a lot of Christian television, you, you can discern right away. There's a lot of people on there who, who uh, they're not, they don't have integrity. Amen. They're after money. That's all they're after. Amen. They have all kinds of schemes and all kinds of, uh, uh, of ways to manipulate people. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, nothing new. Verse 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. The word angel simply means messenger. The Greek word for angel, angelos, simply means a messenger. I like to read it this way. Because if you think, if you only think in terms of an actual angel, you know, we know that Satan uh, was one of the archangels. We know that he was uh, uh, the anointed cherub. He was a very high ranking and a very exalted, had a very exalted uh, position before God, a very uh, awesome creation of God. And we know that he was perverted through sin, you know, that, uh, that he was cast out of heaven and all of that. Well, he still, he still is in that class of being. But if we get our attention over on him translating or transforming himself into an angel of light, then we'll, we're, we're expecting something that appears to us. You know, angels, we think of the, of the person of, of angels. I like to look at this verse and just read it uh, according to the original Greek. And it says he transforms himself into a messenger of light. Several trans, translations of that word disguise or that word transforms is the word disguise or masquerade. He disguises himself as a messenger of light. He, the, the Amplified Bible says he masquerades. You know, there's a slight difference between a disguise, someone who disguises themselves and someone who masquerades. So it's a real subtle nuance, but there's a difference. You know, if, if I want to disguise myself, I can put on a, a pair of dark glasses and put on a funny hat that maybe nobody would ever expect me to wear. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
put on clothes maybe that nobody would ever expect me to wear and just kind of sit with a cap and pull down someplace. And, you know, I can disguise myself. I can even, I can even shave my goatee, you know, my beard, and, uh, uh, you know, do something like that and, 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 uh, and huh, color it. You said that too? Bless your heart. It is colored. My, my natural color is dark brown. I color it this way just to make myself look distinguished. distinguished. You, can, you can disguise yourself. Someone who disguises themselves, they're not necessarily trying to look like any particular person. They're just trying to not look like themselves. The word masquerade carries this idea. You're not just trying to not look like yourself. You're trying to look like someone in particular. You're trying to pass yourself off as someone else in particular. That's a masquerade. This verse here says that that the devil, that Satan, masquerades himself as a messenger of light. A lot of times when people are being deceived, they think they're enlightened. Yeah, that's one of that's one of the tricks. Very often, I'm going to say it again, very often when we find ourselves falling for some trickery of the devil, you've, you've seen this before. I have hundreds of times. People get this kind of exalted air about themselves that, they, that they're the smartest person in the room, that they're more enlightened than other people, that they've received inside information and, and the whole time it's wrong information. How did that happen? Satan came to them masquerading as a messenger of light. He came to them talking to them, telling them that he had something superior for them, a superior way of thinking, a superior way of acting. Amen. He says he masquerades as a messenger of light. Well, we need to be aware of that. Now, how how are you going to discern when the devil is masquerading as a messenger of light. How are you going to discern his schemes? How in the world are you going to be able to do it? He said we're not ignorant, so we know the knowledge is is ours. We know we have it, but where is it? Right here. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, verse 10 and 11, and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the strategies intended to deceive. Amen. Schemes and strategies, trickeries. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, you know, the devil will try to get you convinced it's somebody else, that your problem is with somebody He'll try to convince you that your problem is is somebody and what they've done to you. Amen. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. Amen. And if he can get the church fighting amongst itself and believers in conflict with one another, his work is done. He can just sit back and fold his arm. He doesn't really have to do anything. Because we're, com- we're completely compromised when we're in that kind of a situation. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Shout me down now. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Notice it says again, the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Thy word is truth. This right here is the truth. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, if you don't know your righteousness, if you don't know that you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, the devil will hound you with condemnation. Yeah. He'll hound you with condemnation. He'll try to make you feel unworthy. 
Yes, other people, they're worthy of receiving the blessings of God, but you know, you don't measure up. You don't, you're not like sister so-and-so. You're not like, bro, not like brother so-and-so. We have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. Take it up, praise God. Having put on the breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. It's not my intention tonight to go into all the, the different pieces of the armor. That's a different teaching altogether. But the point is we have to take up the whole armor of God. There's not one piece of the armor that we can leave off and walk in full victory. Amen. See, the victory is ours. Jesus won it, but the enemy is constantly trying to deceive us into giving it up. How do we protect ourselves from that, de from that deceit, from that trickery, taking the full armor of God? Listen, the full armor of God isn't designed for us to win the battle. The full armor of God is, is designed for us to maintain the victory that's already ours. I'm not trying to defeat the devil. I'm not trying to win the battle. I'm not trying to get the victory. I take up the full armor of God because with this, I can stand my ground because I know what's happened to me. I know what's been done in me. Therefore, I know what it belongs to me and what can be done for me. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, he said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the trickery the deceitful plotting of the devil that's designed to deceive. Well, praise the Lord. I want to talk about one of Satan's most deceptive and insidious schemes of all, and that is the deception and the scheme of offense. Of offense, being offended. Amen. It's one of Satan's biggest tricks. Actually, offense in and of itself is not deadly. I said offense in and of itself is not deadly. Go with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Well, praise the Lord. Luke 17, verse number 1. Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Notice he said it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible to live in this life and not have opportunities to be offended. Because offense will come. You know, a lot of times just, just knowing ahead of time what the, what the devil's strategy is, just knowing it ahead of time puts you way ahead of the game. Amen. Amen. Why? Because you're looking for it. You're not blindsided by it. We're not ignorant of his devices. We don't have to be blindsided. One of his devices is offense. And Jesus said it's impossible for us not to be confronted with offense. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. When you're tempted to be offended, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Because, listen, it's impossible to go through life and not have that temptation, not have that offense presented. People will do things. I don't know if you figured this out in life yet, but people will let you down. People will do some things uh, to hurt you. They will. Amen. People will betray you. Not good news so far, but it's true. People will betray you. People will lie about you. People will misjudge your heart and your motives. And they will assign motives to you that, that, aren't, that, that you don't have. And not only that, they'll tell, tell other people about it. Yeah, they will. Yeah. 
people will betray you. People will say all manner of things about you, mostly behind your back. Yeah. Jesus said, you need to be aware of it. It's impossible for offenses not to come. But we don't, where, see, at that level, offense is not deadly at all. Offense that is presented to you has no power. It's not until you take up that offense. You, you take it up and you begin to play with it. You begin to toss it over in your mind a little bit. You begin to entertain it just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. A lot of times it's not what people do, but what the devil tells us people do. I have long believed and long said that most Christians, now there are some people that, that defy this rule, but most Christians, even immature Christians, if you've been, if a person has been genuinely born again, see, I believe in the new birth. I believe that when a person's born again, they get a, good na- a, a new nature. I believe that. I believe the love of God is shed abroad in the heart of every person who has truly been born again. I I believe in the new birth. I believe in Christians. One thing that bothers me is to hear, whether it's on social media or on TV, I I hear it often in, in different kinds of media. I hear people talking about, you know, what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with Christians. I, I don't have that kind of, a, of an attitude. I believe in Christians. I believe in the work that God's done in us. Yeah. I don't believe most Christians are out to get somebody. I don't believe most Christians are intentionally trying to hurt me. I don't believe most Christians would intentionally try to defame me. But a lot of times people do things that we imagine. Sometimes it's real, but I would say more times than not, it's imagined. We, we, we heard something. We heard somebody say something. Well, amen. You're awfully quiet out there. Jesus said it's impossible not to be presented with offense. It's what you do with offense. Do you pick it up? Do you entertain it? Well, amen. Many times, uh, people who are offended do not realize it. I would, I would say, a correction, most, I'm going to correct my notes here. Most times, most of the time, people who are offended do not realize it. They don't realize it because they're oblivious to their own condition because they're so focused on the wrong that was done to them. If the enemy can keep you focused on yourself and on the wrong, let's say somebody really did do something that was just not right and you've taken the time to prove that it wasn't right. You've, you've taken the time to chronicle all the details of it and all the different ways it's not right. And you've got four people's opinions and they all tell you it was not right. You, you understand you're going down the wrong road already, right? But even when somebody truly has done you wrong, to stay focused on that wrong will blind you to what's going on in your own heart. Yeah. He'll, 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 Jesus made the statement. He said, don't say to your brother, here, let me pull the, the, the splinter, the little speck out of your eye, not knowing that you've got a beam in your own eye. He said, first pull the beam out of your own eye, then you can see more clearly to pull the speck out of the, the comparison of the two, the speck and the beam would be the difference between a toothpick and a telephone pole. He said, he said, don't go to your brother and, and go around trying to get the toothpick out of his eye 
because you're, you're blind to the fact that you've got something far worse in your own eye. He said, take care of what's on the inside of you. Then you will see more clearly. And you see, when you see more clearly, you have a lot more compassion on the person who has the speck in their eye because you realize, I had a beam. I had a telephone pole. When, when, when you acknowledge the telephone pole, it gives you a whole lot more mercy on the person who has the toothpick. Amen. He said, don't focus on the other person. Maybe that toothpick is, is something they've said about you. And it's wrong. And it's just glaring at you. You just can't hardly stand it. Because they've done something, said something, acted some way. And you just want to reach over there and just show them. And just pull that toothpick out and wave at it, and, you know. You're, you, can be, you can be so consumed with what somebody has done or what you've imagined they've done or said about you that you lose all perspective. Jesus said, take care of yourself first. I've I found that uh, on those time, in those times that, that I've managed to do that, I've managed to actually examine myself, I've found that once I get myself straightened out, I'm not all that eager to straighten out the other guy. I'm more interested in helping that person, not straightening them out. Amen. I'm, I'm more interested in loving that person and giving. It's You know, once you get the, the telephone, pull, pull, telephone pole pulled out of your own eye, you begin to see more clearly that, you know, God is able to help that person with that little toothpick. God can work in their life. He can reveal to them just like he revealed to you. If he got the, tooth, if he got the telephone pole across to me, I'm sure he can get the toothpick across to you. Amen. Amen. And see, I can, I can love, person, uh, love someone when I've taken care to examine my own heart. But when you're in offense, when you're offended, of course, like I said the other day, I was kind of getting ready to this for this because I've been planning on ministering this for a few weeks. You know, today, no one's offended. I mean, people will say, oh, I'm not offended and if you ask somebody, somebody gets all, you know, blown up about something, you say, well, well don't, give, don't be offended. I'm not offended. <laughs> I mean, according to everybody's admissions, almost nobody's offended. It almost never happens. I mean, according to, to what we hear, according to everybody's testimony, it, it's a rare thing. It almost never happens because you can't find anybody that's offended. If you just ask, oh, no, I'm not offended. But Jesus said it's impossible, but that offense has come. Well, if, 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 if it's impossible to live without offenses coming to you, then you would think that Satan would be fairly uh, good since it's one of his main tactics. He wouldn't continue. seems like he'd give up if nobody took the bait. Isn't that right? No, more often than not, people will take up that offense. Yeah, well, glory to God. Most of the time, people who are offended do not realize it. They're oblivious to their own condition because they are so focused on the wrong that was done to them. Now, what, what is some of the fruit of offense? Well, if you want to find out if you're in offense, what, 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 are, some of the, what are some of the telltale signs? Hurt. Well, I, I'm not offended, but that really hurt me. I'm not, I'm not offended, but I just want you to know that hurt me. Hurt is, a, is another word for offended. Well, that went over big. I said hurt is another word for Offended. Well, preacher, I mean, you're just saying that, that you know, it's impossible to go through life and not be hurt once in a while. Well, Jesus said it's impossible to go through life and not have hurt presented to you. But he said, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. If I don't take the hurt, 
then I don't feel the hurt. Oh, but wait a minute, preacher. You're telling me you've, ne- you've never had anybody do anything or say anything that hurt your feelings? I'm saying that I can, I can be aware of the hurt, but I don't have to take it. Now, that hurt and that offense can, can manifest itself. Offense can be real loud. It can scream up and down, jump up and down, wave its arms, run after you, get in your face. What was that? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I know better. <laughs> it's our little sound effects over here. Praise the Lord. She gives accent to the messages. <laughs> Offense will dog you. It will, it will jump in front of you. And when you turn to the side, it'll jump in front of you again. So in the sense of feeling that, uh, that sensation or that emotion, yeah, you can feel that. But that's not the same thing as taking it and allowing it to take root in you. That's what I'm talking about, feeling that hurt. Amen. When you, when you tell somebody, well, I just want you to know you've really hurt me. You've taken that. You've owned it. You've owned it. Well, amen. You've owned it. Now, preacher, you're just being hard tonight. I mean, this is just, this is a hard word. That's what they told Jesus. This is a hard saying. Well, uh, let's, let's look at some other, some, some other fruit. Anger. Anger. Hallelujah. Anger. When, when people push your button, amen, and you respond, and you respond, and you respond. See, it's possible to have your button pushed and, and you feel it, but you don't respond. Are you out there? When you respond in anger, when you uh, when when resentment comes up what what is it what does it mean to, res, to what is resentment what exactly is it is it uh just having a, a healthy understanding of where people have made a mistake just, you know, wanting to protect yourself. No, resentment's more than that. How do you know you're in resentment? Well, is there anybody that you just, when, when their name comes up or the thought of that person comes up, immediately you don't like it? That's resentment. You are offended. I mean, we might as well be honest. And listen, I, I listen. Offense presents itself to me the same as it does to you. And preachers, like I've said before, preachers are not are not graced with supernatural ability to live the Christian life. Pastors, apostles, ministers, everybody has to live out the Christian life just like everybody else. Everybody is tempted with the same things. And, it's, and so I have, I have a, 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 an, avil, an ability, a divine giving, a divine gift, a divine enablement to present these things. I don't have any special gift to live it. And so I think, I'm probably qualified to say what resentment is because I've had resentment. 
I've, re- I've been resentful before. There was a certain preacher that, that called me up one day and I, as, as God is my witness, I had done nothing to, to cross this man, nothing. And, uh, and he called me up and just began to chew me out. I mean royally. And just say some really unkind things to me. And uh, it was because of something that I had done, but what I did in, in, in administering a particular part of ministry, what I did was just. It was, it was reasonable and it was necessary. I had to take care of an issue in, in the ministry. Uh, when I was an RMAI, I was over, uh, you know, a lot of pastors and a lot of conflicts came up and anyway, something had come up and I had dealt with it. Well, he called me on the phone. Oh, he was mad. And he, ju- I mean, he criticized me and uh, made me, or tried to make me feel like I was about this tall, you know, that I didn't have the, 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 the wisdom to do what I was doing, that I wasn't qualified and, and, and anybody could have my job and, and you know, uh, just all sorts of that. And I mean, just chewed me out. Frankly, just acted like a big old baby. And uh, for, for a while, I, I boy, I got off the phone. You know, how, you, know, you, you know how the conversation goes with yourself. I can't believe that. I can't believe that man called me and told me and said the things that he said to me. I can't believe it. It was so unbelievable I had to share it with my wife. And, and that didn't alleviate the pain. I had to find somebody else to share it with. One or two other people. Because after all, I was just doing my job. And this person, you know, I mean, he just tore me up one side, down the other, you know, my motives and my everything. And uh, there for a while, I mean, just the, just the, just the picture of his face <laughs> would make me mad. I mean, it just mad. And, uh, you know, I, I, I took control of that pretty quickly when I saw what was going on. And so I just, you know, I, I didn't talk about it. I didn't, I just, you know, the one or two people that were real close. Because after all, listen, after all is usually not followed by words of love and grace. But I, I, I kind of, you know, got, got, it, got control of the thing and, and didn't tell anybody else about it, kept it, and, and I could have reported him on up the chain. I mean, I could have. And, and, and it, it occurred to me, it crossed my mind. But I thought, no, no, you know, I'm just going just gonna to leave it alone and I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm just going to keep it to myself. I don't want to hurt him, but I still resented it. Every time I thought about that pastor, my heart rate would go up just a little bit. My temperature, my blood temperature would just go up just a little bit, you know. That's resentment. If there's anybody, you know, I had to call that pastor before it was over. I called him and apologized to him. I said, you probably don't know anything about this, but I just want you to know that... that uh, what happened, you know, it, 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 I took offense when I should not have. And I, and I repented. I said, listen, I want you to forgive me. Of course, he was gracious. He said, oh, don't worry about it, you know. And, and I've had to do that more than once. I said, I've had to do that more than once. Amen. Listen, if you've never done that, chances are you're really behind. If you've never had to humble yourself and go to somebody and admit that you were wrong and admit that you were offended and ask their forgiveness, if, you, if you've not done that, if you've not ever done that, you're, if you've not ever done that, you're way behind. I'll just say that. Amen. Well, glory to God. Uh, resentment. Is there anybody that when they come into your mind, you think about them, somebody else mentions their name, Immediately, there's this negative 
just a, a grind. That's resentment. That's offense. Jealousy, envy, those are all fruit of, of offense. Jealousy, envy. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This is really good tonight. It's helping us. Some of the consequences of picking up an offense, and, and this, is, this, is, this is how you can really see. This is when, this, these are the signs, this is how it manifests when you start insulting people. When you find yourself to yourself under your breath hurling insults. Well, you... That would mean you're offended. Amen. Huh? Uh, Attacking people. You know, the brother that called me on the carpet was offended. He was offended at me. I mean, he, he lashed out at me. Whew. He was offended. But I was no better. I got offended back. <laughs> Amen. When you find yourself lashing out at people, attacking them, it leads to division. It leads to separation. It leads to broken relationships. It leads to betrayals. And ultimately, it leads to backsliding. It can cost you your complete fellowship with the Lord. Amen. That's why it's important that we deal with it. What is offense? Well, uh, in the next few Wednesday nights, let's look at it a little bit. You think this would be good for us? Amen. The Bible has a lot to say about it, but also we're not ignorant of his devices And the more we know about it and the more we know about what God's Word says, what He says about offense, we can put on the full armor of God. Amen. There's there's armor for offense. I said there's armor for offense. Which pieces? All of them. All of the armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we'll see you next time. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.